This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And back on the beat here on a Monday on USF Bulls Unlimited. Thanks for dropping by our TuneIn app. We've got highlights from a very good game in Raleigh, North Carolina on Sunday, but not enough for a W over the number eight team in the country for the women's basketball team. 65-57 was the final score. We will also, in our second segment, preview with some sound from Brian Gregory as part of his new Brian Gregory show that debuted over the weekend. Tonight's matchup for the men going up against Northern Iowa for the first time in program history. But, yes, and this is something that came out pretty quickly when Alex Golish dropped this hint at the press conference. You knew something was imminent. Hired the best defensive coordinator in the country that I couldn't get a couple times. Told me Saturday night he's rolling with me. It'll be aggressive. It'll be intense. We're going to have a blast on defense. Now we know who he was talking about. It's a word we usually don't like to say around here, but in this case, we'll definitely make an exception going forward in that his name is Todd Orlando. He has been in the college coaching ranks for nearly three decades, was at FAU last year as the coordinator and linebackers coach. Before that, was at Southern Cal and Texas among his many stops. Actually was at UConn for quite a few years, and his defenses are known, as you just heard, for being aggressive, also blitzing, also generating turnovers. FAU in 2021 was ranked 25th in the country in producing turnovers at USC, where he was the coordinator in 2020. They went from giving up 408 yards the prior season to 370, which is actually a pretty respectable number when it comes to college offenses. 16 takeaways in that six-game 2020 season with Texas, again, defensive coordinator, linebackers coach for three years in those three years. 65 turnovers. Houston before that, if you want his full resume, and it spans a lot of years, including 12 at UConn, you can get it all at GoUSFBulls.com. He played at Wisconsin in the early 90s, kind of grew up as a Big Ten country guy, but has worked his way gradually down to the state of Florida. Now, a guy that's much more familiar to Bulls fans would be Kevin Patrick. He will be the defensive line coach. He was part of the initial USF staff. Love the quote from Golish saying, Kevin was a big piece of bringing the energy that got our program into the top 10. He's a key cog in getting back to that point. Defensive line play is a key piece to competing at a high level. And his ties to the state of Florida are going to be a big part of what we are doing in recruiting. He was with Jim Levitt's first staff, 96 to 98, then came back 2008 through 2012. Most recently, was coaching the outside linebackers at FAU. By the way, at NC State in the 2017 to 19 range, he coached the nation's top defender in Bradley Chubb, who took the Nagurski Trophy. We're going to try and talk to these individuals as soon as possible. Of course, they are out recruiting right now, but as we complete the staff, we want you to meet some of the new guys and, in case of Kevin Patrick, get reacquainted. Now, we loved so many of the members of Jeff Scott's staff. And it just happens this way in coaching constantly. I just gave you Todd Orlando's resume. You go from spot to spot. Tyler Hudanik will be the new offensive line coach. Got to give a shout-out to Alan Mogridge, who was with the team the last few years. But Hudanik, who played offensive line at the school in Orlando and coached with Josh Heupel there, along with Alex Golish at Tennessee, where he was a graduate assistant working with the offensive line. So Golish knows him from a couple stops. 
says Hudonic brings the same approach to coaching as he did to playing. Incredible leadership and toughness. He is a highly intelligent young offensive mind, an elite teacher, and a detail-oriented person. So I'm guessing he'll end up being the youngest official member of Golish's staff. We shall see and continue to update you here on Bulls Beat. On to the action yesterday, women's basketball going up against the number eight team in the country, NC State. And what a environment, the Reynolds Coliseum, which used to be the building that the, the men's team played in. Now they play in the downtown arena that the Carolina Hurricanes play in. So this is really kind of more intimate but loud 5,500-seat facility. They also have volleyball and wrestling there, and it was just cool, very cool. You know, going to practice the night before is always good because you get your bearings. And I knew that I was, by the way, going to be calling the game from the rooftop, but still it was kind of a neat vantage point but what you don't get of course the day before at practice is what it's like with fans there and they just filled that place up now the bulls as you'll hear in some of these highlights had plenty of fans there too and they had plenty to cheer for early nc state was without its starting power forward jada boyd but she frankly was probably the least dangerous of their five offensive options they still were talented their only loss was to uconn they made the elite eight last year and even though they had lost most of the contributors from that team Diamond Johnson was the second leading scorer, sixth man of the year type, and just sensational. She would get hurt in this game, as you will hear. It kind of opened the door for the Bulls, but they can never really make that run, and it's a credit to the opponent. The Wolfpack really clamped down on defense. Now, the first quarter started off, and I wanted to include these because it was kind of a theme, with the Bulls getting many offensive rebounds. So worth noting the rebounding category in this game. NC State entered averaging 15.3 more rebounds a game than its opposition. They had a game where they out-rebounded their opponent by 43. You take that away, and they're still a plus 11, so they're used to dominating the glass. Only twice this year, by one against UConn, and by five in a game they won against Georgia, did the Wolfpack get out-rebounded. And so what happened early was a positive sign, but the inability to convert, well, it included a would-be sports center type play that, again, went by the wayside because the Bulls, who had really a chance to get a big lead in the first quarter, couldn't do it. Chinecki rotates around two players, misses the shot, but gets her own board. Can't put back the rebound, and NC State grabs it. So a second offensive rebound by the Bulls. Believe me, that is a big feather in their cap, even though they cannot convert on either chance. They are getting to the glass, and that is big. They dump it inside with 6.18 to go here in the first quarter. Bulls still up 7-5. Hobby tries to get Dulce to foul and comes up short with the shot. Good straight-up defense from Frank Mangiadu. Wilson looks to run out to Brito. Hands it off to Poises. Oh, fakes the handoff. Got me and misses the layup, but Dulce gets the board. She misses the putback. The Bulls miss two layups there. What a move by Brito. She was uncontested, and now... Johnson on the other end steps back. She can't make a shot. At least the Wolfpack now can't hit anything either. So that was part of a sequence after the Bulls had gone ahead 7-5 to five where they missed eight shots in a row, and many of them were layups. Now, it must be pointed out that the first quarter was really the only period in the game where the Bulls were getting good looks, and they eventually started to cash in on them and take a six-point lead in the first. Now, Puisa's foul line jumper looks good, but it rims out. And battle for the rebound, still with the chance for the Bulls. Puisis ends up getting it. And another offensive rebound, number five for USF. Chinecki for three, good. Rims it in. Bulls skid ends. They finally get a second chance point, or three in that case. 
And 11 to 10. Brown Turner, nice feed to Baldwin. She just tries to back Dulcie down, and they're not giving, getting those whistles, and that is a big factor right now because you know that's what NC State's trying to do, get her out of the game, or at least get her in foul trouble. Janecki open for three as Brito fakes the shot. Oh, nice dish to Dulcie. Nice pump fake and lays it in. That was all sorts of fantastic all the way around, and the Bulls take the lead, 12 to 11. Brito faked the three, nice shot, then Dulcie faked the shot, and Johnson is open for three. Short, yeah, you could tell she put that one up too quick. Now Wilson looks to run. Bulls have scored the last five points. Oh, nice pass by Brito, and Dulcie drops it in. That was a beautiful look by Carly. You know, she can pass the ball so well. You look at her assist numbers and not be overwhelmed or anything like that. She has 15 in the first 10 games only, but she has been cost a few extra Assist by some missed shots, and Dulcie didn't miss there. 14 to 11, Bulls with two minutes to go. Here in the first quarter, they've run off seven points in a row. Dulcie out on Baldwin again. She's going to turn around and back down Dulcie and misses the shot. Banka Mangiani pulls another rebound. Let me tell you, the Bulls fans are significant here, and they're applauding the defense right now. It is the donor trip, so around 40 USF women's basketball donors are with the team. It's really a big section behind the Bulls bench down and to my right as I'm in the catbird perch here. Johansson pops open for a three. Emma can hit off the bench and she knocks it down 17 to 11. That is her shot for a six foot three player but she was only one for two coming in and it's 17 to 11. Yeah, you kind of hear the Bulls fans making some noise right now. Indeed, that was the case. It was 17-13 after the first quarter. But from that point of 17 to 11, NC State went on an 18-1 run. The Bulls, like I said, in the first quarter were missing very makeable shots. They weren't getting nearly as many good looks. They had that run of eight misses, but many of them easy chances in the first quarter. They would miss 10 in a row as NC State built up the lead in the second. However, there was this moment, just as it looked like the Wolfpack could blow this thing out, where their hopes were dealt a blow, and let's hope it's not a serious situation going forward, but this was certainly a big event in the game. Off the inbounds, Johnson tries to step, but Williams on her. You hear the good reaction from the Bulls bench. Williams not letting her pull. Now Johnson puts uh, one up from three and looks over at the Bulls bench, and she's kind of in a zone right now. 25-18, Diamond Johnson. Changed her number from zero to three once she was able to. Kind of tells you what her mindset is. And it's 25-18. Now Williams looks to drive, puts up an awkward shot with no spin, gets her own rebound, puts up another shot, well off the mark. And Williams is going to check out for Chinecki at the next whistle. Wilson picked up by Johnson. Now Chinecki takes it. Top of the key looks to put her head down. That's a difficult shot. No good. But Dulcie's there for the board and gets it rejected. She'll still get her own rebound. Another offensive board for the Bulls. Seven on the shot clock. Wide open for three is Brito. It's up. And it's short. Bulls stagnant offensively. Still haven't made one in this quarter. Johnson goes the other way. Misses the shot awkwardly. Battle for the board. Won by Baldwin. And puts it up. And in. And it's, oh no, Johnson is hurt. 27 to 18, but Johnson is holding her right leg and this would just be a terrible turn of events for NC State. There have been some big injuries, specifically UConn. You know, Paige Beckers, you might not know that AZ Fudd, who was there, not even by default, legitimate next best option. She put up 32 in UConn's win against NC State. Well, this might not get quite the headlines, but 
that would be a bad loss for the Wolfpack. She turned her ankle while driving to the basket. It was a seven-point game at the time, and certainly that was probably going to up the Bulls' chances. They had to go to Sanaya Rivers as their point guard, and she was a big high school recruit, third-ranked in the country, and Don Staley in South Carolina got her. We actually told you about her on the special Friday version of Bulls Beep. Just didn't get it going offensively at South Carolina. Shot less than 25%, including one for 31 on threes. But recently, in a huge road win at Iowa, broke out for 22 points. Well, she didn't break out necessarily offensively, but her defense was sensational. NC State basically turned to its defense to shut down the Bulls. They only had five points in the entire second quarter until the very end. Here's how it ended. In effect, they will hold for one shot here, even though there's four seconds difference. Rivers is just going to hold on to it by the big old Wolfpack logo at midcourt. And Ariel Wilson will wait patiently at the three-point line. Ten on the shot, 14 and a half on the game. NC State up ten. Now Rivers is going to drive to the basket. That was easy. And the Bulls have time here, and they're moping around. They get it inbounds to Wilson across midcourt. Puist is going to have a first look at a three at the horn, and she knocks it down. How about that? NC State went to sleep, and Wes Moore is angry. I don't know how angry he can really be at Sanaya Rivers, because I think he's going to need her more in the second half. So who knows? Maybe that moment could carry over. The Bulls were down by 12, but only briefly. It actually did look like it was going to carry over. The lead would never get higher than 12, but it would never get lower than 5. So we'll give you a couple highlights when we return, and then we'll turn our attention to the men's basketball game previewing the Bulls at Northern Iowa, which will start Monday, pregame 7.30 on USF Bulls Unlimited. Also some tennis schedule announcements that we want to touch on as well when Bulls Beat continues. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. Couple programming reminders on Monday. You'll have plenty of chances to hear the Brian Gregory show. We'll give you a couple of clips here in our second block. We'll also, in lieu of a full 15 minute version of Around the American, we'll do what we normally do on Wednesdays and Fridays, which is end the hour with about a five minute version here, a full weekend of basketball, along with, oh yeah, the Army Navy game and some big news when it comes to Navy football at the end of this hour. We continue where we left off, and that was the Bulls hitting a three at the end of the first half knowing that the other team was not going to have its standout player and really looking like it was going to keep on going and make this a ball game. The Bulls only have 25 points after scoring 17 in the first half, and Rivers gets in the way of a pass attempt by Dulce, but Ariel runs it down. And the Bulls get a clean look here. Well, Chinecki had one, but nothing but air. Brito with a great move to the basket, and she cuts it to 34-27. So in and around halftime, the Bulls have scored the last five points. Oh, that's a nice move by Dulcie, and the reverse layup just rims out. She really put a fake on Camille Hobby there, but no dice. Those have got to start falling consistently. Now, height advantage for Collins, but good defense by Brito. Brito is a power forward that doesn't have the height of a normal power forward. There's Chinecki. Nice pass and a lefty layup around Hobby. Wilson got it up to her, and it's back to a seven-point game, 36-29. We're great to see Elena get going. And by the way, they did show that on instant replay here. It was a nice pass. Full credit to the NC State folks for showing a highlight reel of a Bulls fast break basket. Pretty impressive. All right, I'll get over it. Ten seconds. Oh, that's a tough shot by Brown. Turner on the run. No good. And that should be a foul on NC State on the back of Ooze. It'll be Bulls ball. 7.40 to go. Third quarter. Wolfpack lead at 36-29. Bears repeating that their leader, Diamond Johnson, is out with an ankle injury. 
And let's hope it's nothing long-term, but the Bulls, as far as it befits them in this game, are going to have a better chance to come back and win, just being honest. Oh, great move by Chinecki. She's starting to feel it. Put a little bit of a head fake on Rivers. Boats up the high layup, and it's 36-31. Really had the elements of what looked like a win against a top-10 team, a team that doesn't normally lose at home at all, much less to non-conference opponents because NC State was without its leader. And two of the three Bulls standouts, Sammy Puisis and Elena Chinecki, after poor first halves, you figured would heat up. And indeed, Chinecki did in that third quarter. She scored 11 points. The Bulls shot 8 for 17, but again, underwent a dry spell where you just heard us leave off. They would miss their next six shots. NC State didn't have those peaks and valleys. They did miss six in a row during a crazy sequence in the third quarter that saw the media timeout not hit until less than two minutes to go in it. And while the Bulls had eight misses in a row at one point, 11 in a row, six in a row in the third quarter, and later missed 10 of 11, NC State just had that one dry spell. They would not really get hot, but they would be consistent, and their defense was sensational. Key stat of the game that favored the Wolfpack, points off turnovers, no doubt about it. It was 16-7. to Bulls didn't cough it up an inordinate amount of times, 15, but seven of those, nearly half, came in that second quarter when the Wolfpack outscored the Bulls 21-8. That was the quarter that won NC State the game. Again, the margins sort of kept toggling in the 7-10 to range the rest of the way. The staggering stat that favored the Bulls, Wolfpack entered, again, out-rebounding their opponents by 15 a game. Bulls got them by 16. Unbelievable. 49-33. to just as phenomenal was the offensive rebounding category, 17-4, to I heard. Wolfpack head coach Wes Moore, he could not stop harping on the fact how they got out-rebounded. He called it a pet peeve. And even though the announcers are saying, hey, you held Dulce Fankamangiadu off the scoreboard, which is true, by the way, from late in the first half to the very end of the game. It took her that long to complete her double-double. And he goes, yeah, well, she got 17 rebounds. Dulce Fankamangiadu, 10 points and 17 rebounds, but... Just 5 for 15 from the floor after a 3 for 4 first quarter. Elena Chinecki had 17 points after a sluggish start. Sammy Puises scored 14 for the Bulls. And Carla Brito was pretty cool with her 11 points and 7 rebounds. Again, the offensive rebounds, the Bulls ended up taking 70 shots. That was 13 more than the pack. And they both ended up making the same amount of field goals. So, got to take advantage more than that. And, again, just not enough from the bench. You heard the three by Johansson. Those were the only bench points. A couple of the freshmen who came in basically exited quickly. After entering the game, they just weren't ready for the pressure defense of the Wolfpack. Priscilla Williams, who had missed the last few games, had a great practice on Saturday night, came in and just looked off. She missed her three shots, and that was it for her. She played three minutes, so clearly that is one of the issues with the team. A lot of positives, but some things to work on. And they will be playing next in the morning and back at home for the first time in about a month. We'll talk more about that on tomorrow's show. Specifically Wednesday morning, by the way, at 11 o'clock. Two home games before going to San Diego. It's been a while since the men hit the court. Ten days between games. They will play for the first time Northern Iowa tonight. Two, three, and six teams. The Panthers not carrying over what success they had at the end of their year last year. They actually were the number one seed in the Missouri Valley Conference tournament lost in the semifinals, made it to the second round of the NIT. They do have one of the top scorers in the country in sophomore guard, Bowen Bourne, averaging 20.7 points a game. That's top 15 in the country, but not enough around him just yet. 
couple of clips from the Brian Gregory Show, which we'll replay in full, about a 40-minute program before tonight's tip-off. But the Bulls have won three of their last four, as you may or may not recall last time out. They tied a program record for made threes against Charleston Southern. Now they're on the road tonight. We're playing at a better pace, moving the ball better. Uh, guys are starting just to get comfortable in, in system roles, parameters, playing within those parameters. We're in trouble anytime we go outside them, you know, which any team is. But when, when you have, when you're working basically four new players into the system with Ryan playing extensive minutes and the three transfers, there, there's, some, there's some gap time there. You have to keep playing hard and defending and rebounding because where it shows up a little bit more is a little bit more on the offensive end. But I, I'm pleased with where we're at. Um, I'm pleased with the progress. I said mid-December we'd have a better feel. We have a better feel right now. So now we know what the three or four main challenges are that we need to really improve in. And if we can do that, then I think this team could play to their potential night in and night out. Hopefully you follow us on Twitter at Bulls Unlimited. We let you know that that show was actually set to make a sooner debut than we'd planned. We had it edited for you on Saturday night, played it plenty on Sunday. And if you're a Bulls basketball fan, you got to catch it. If you haven't already, we'll do it a couple more times on Monday afternoon. But before we get back to the basketball portion of things, now Jim Lighthall's not going to ask Brian necessarily random questions, and I'm sure he wanted to talk about the football job and his comments were pretty darn interesting. Alex Golish takes over. I don't know if you've had a chance to talk with him. My question to you is you've been in that position where you take over. You're trying to hire a staff. You're trying to recruit. You're trying to implement a system. And you're shaking a lot of hands, kissing a lot of babies. How crazy is it for him right now? Well, I think first and foremost, as important as it's going to be, the shaking hands and kissing babies has to be at the bottom of the list. And people got to understand that because the most important thing is solidifying your staff and your and your players right now, uh, and and I just think that sometimes because of the the significance of the hire, it's important that everybody keeps that in pers- in perspective because he he's got a he can't get be pulled in all different directions. The most important thing is staff and players, staff and players. But I'm a, I'm excited about it. I look at his resume. I look at he's a grinder. Started at the bottom. Started as a GA, worked his way to even get into a GA position, uh, a, a player at Ohio State. He was you know, all those, and there's nothing against that, but but he's worked his way up. Uh, as he said, he swept floors, he's cleaned garbage cans, he's done everything. You know what I mean? I like the fact. Again, I think one of the the best things that ever happened to me was starting as a graduate assistant and learning every job, no matter what it was, cleaning the locker room, doing the laundry cutting up film. As you progress, then you never forget those things. And you realize that everything's important and you you transfer that to your staff. I think he's going to do a great job of that. He's got great energy, obviously got uh, great pedigree in terms of the people he's worked for, the different jobs that he's held on both sides of the ball. That's very unique in football. Let, uh, let's be transparent and honest. The Twitter world wasn't all that fired up to begin with. All right. That's the way it is nowadays. Mm-hmm. We just hired the offensive coordinator of the year in college football, okay, from uh, the number eight team in the country that this guy started at the bottom has got all the way up there. His work ethic and what he's done can't be questioned, all right? Great staff, high-quality players. We're going to turn this thing around, and it's going to be exciting to watch because I think he's the guy to get it done. 
lot of very pertinent comments there, especially about how the Twitter world can be. Now back to basketball specifically, a little bit on tonight's opponent, Northern Iowa. Coach has been there a long time. He's right on the verge of becoming the all-time winningest coach in the Missouri Valley, which is pretty good when you consider some of the guys that have coached in that league. Had a tough loss the other night, didn't play well. It's a proud program. They're going to be ready to go on, on Monday night for sure. Dynamic guard in number 13, Born. I call him Born Identity or Born whatever, all those shows with Matt Dillon. He can go. He can go. He, he reminds me of Jelly at UAB. Same type of guard. Can shoot from anywhere, but is great off the bounce, knows how to play, can score at all three levels. So we got to do a great job. And they're tough. They're physical. They rebound well. Uh, they run an offense with a lot of movement. So our defense is going to be really challenged. It's a great game for us because they're going to end up in the top 75 in the, in the net rankings for sure. And it's just an uh, opportunity to go, go to 30-degree weather and figure out just how tough we are. You mentioned their tough loss the other night. It was Friday night against McNeese State at home by three. Before that, they fell to Toledo. That's the team that won the MAC last year. So certainly an opportunity it would appear for the Bulls. And if they win it, don't look now, but their next three are at home leading up to conference play. They'll be back at home, by the way, on Friday night. Mentioned that while we were away, the tennis teams both announced their schedules. Of course, if you go to GoUSFBulls.com, you can get the entirety of both Christina Morris's women's squad and Ashley Fisher's men's team schedule. The interesting note on the men's side, always, I mean, this is the reason they made the NCAA tournament last year, their schedule, their overall record was 14-10, and 10, but their computer number was so strengthened because they basically played a bunch of top 40-type teams. This year, same thing. They are in the event reserved for the best teams in the country, the ITA kickoff event, but they'll actually play seven matches before the quote-unquote kickoff to their season. It begins, for the Bulls anyway, on the men's side in Boca Raton, January the 13th with matches against Rice, Cal Santa Barbara, and FAU. Their first home match is January 22nd. A lot of new faces on the Bulls, and we'll talk to some of them, I'm sure, before the season starts off. Not as many new faces, but a few on the women's squad. They will actually begin at home January the 21st. They'll play Florida A&M, and then they host the Gators the next day. Mark that one down for a Sunday at noon. Then, interestingly enough, they take a few weeks off before returning to action again. If you want the full schedules, hit up GoUSFBulls.com. That'll wrap it up here on Bulls Beat on a Monday. I'm Derek Sharp.